There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Claire McKenna. You're listening to Changemakers, the podcast series that talks to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. My guest today is the absolutely fabulous Andrea Horan. She is as colourful and daring as the nails that walk out of her salon in Dublin's Tropical Popical. She is the presenter of podcast United Ireland with Una Mullally. And in recent years, she has become a spokesperson for the city of Dublin, speaking out against the explosion of hotels and the eradication of culture spots. Andrea's major focus is on clubbing as culture and in this conversation we talk about the importance of fun and pleasure, the formative years of finding your tribe on the dance floor and the importance of bringing people together for creativity and political discourse. The changes in Dublin and other major cities in Ireland where return on investment properties such as hotels, student accommodation and buy-to-let accommodation is shaping how we live. In town planning, there is little emphasis on new green spaces, family-friendly spaces and cultural hangouts in all its various forms. Students and professionals are finding themselves living in accommodation without light in their bedrooms and with no amenities around them. And tourists are coming to our cities where the nightlife is very limited. There is a public consultation of our licensing laws underway at present, asking for our thoughts on many issues, including the closing time of venues and where alcohol can be sold, like at one-off events, using other spaces such as art galleries and outdoor areas. Submissions close this Thursday, the 21st of January. I'll leave a link for you to have your say in the show notes. The laws we currently operate under is the Dance Hall Act from 1935, so it is definitely time for change. Have your say in how our city looks going forward. I loved this chat with Andrea. She has such a way with words from feeling deflated by what she sees going on in Dublin, Despresso Martini, to being inspired that we can demand change if we truly think about what we deem success to be. Is it accumulation and wealth or is it a celebration of all it means to be human, including making space for fun and culture? Here she is. Andrea Horan, you're very welcome to Changemakers. Thank you very much for having me. Delighted to be here. I'm always really interested in people's backstory. So what would you have been like growing up? Were you always somebody that was a bit daring? Were you outspoken? Were you conscious of inequalities or things you wanted to speak up about? Oh my God, absolutely not. I was so shy um, when I was younger. My mom enrolled me in uh, speech and drama, as it was called then, to try and bring me out of my shell because I literally, if anyone spoke to me, I'd turn fully puce um, and just kind of hide behind friends or whatever in school. So I was definitely a very shy person growing up and then I'm not sure I think it was around the time when I started going clubbing that I I started coming into myself and started kind of getting a bit more confidence and a bit more and I think I actually went the opposite way of becoming very outwardly daring to cover up my shyness um, and being quite extravagant and over the top which was just really a distraction to keep people away from finding out the inner shyness that I was hiding, I suppose. Yeah, do you know, I underestimated how formative clubbing is on someone. I did think it was sad to see clubs I loved around Dublin closing down, but I was more focused on them as simply places of fun, which is still really important. But watching your documentary, Clubbing is Culture, it showed me how it brought people together and shaped them. 
100% and I think we have a few problems with that kind of messaging in Ireland because when you say clubbing you can't and I'm not casting aspersions or uh, negativity on anything that everything has a place um but I suppose for me when we talk about clubbing we especially in media um when clubbing comes up or when we're talking about clubs closing down everyone thinks of coppers and dices and um obviously that's you go in have your drinks have a kiss have a bop perfect whereas there is a full culture in clubbing per se in a more in the kind of more uh dance music side of things that has spawned so much uh art so much creativity so much um music and so many meetings of people I know for myself that that when I started going clubbing it was so formative on who I became and the types of people I met. I was from Kingswood and Tala and I yearned for a city centre life and the big bright lights of a city. And when I started going clubbing then, I kind of started to meet the a, a bigger spectrum of people that weren't like me. And it kind of um, helped me to find my tribe per se, because I didn't, I wasn't really um, I didn't really fit in, I suppose. And and I think that's always a common thing with people who go clubbing is that they didn't fit into their environment and then they find their tribe on the dance floor. And there's many different tribes that you can find, obviously. And I found mine and that kind of gave me confidence and started me to develop my own personality and not try to fit in with just where my surroundings were, that it kind of um, opened up the world for me. And Obviously, I had a lot of fun and dancing, and but it, it shaped my fashion. It shaped um, my output in terms of what um, kind of careers I wanted, who, the types of people I met, and then when I even when I did, I started working in PR, and um, that was inspired by watching Ab Fab, obviously, um, and thinking that I was going to live that that life, and then realizing that it was definitely not that glamorous life. But the people then that I met on the dance floor provided the kind of got me the jobs that I got like I started working in Thinkheads which was a youth communications agency and it was all about people I'd met on the dance floor that I could bring in to work on art projects that like brands wouldn't have a clue about um and for all the way from shaping my personality shaping my confidence shaping my self-esteem shaping my interests shaping my fashion shaping my opinions shaping my friend groups shaping my career shaping my output like it really provided so much and then when you look at what's happening um in the city because the community is being eroded um of clubs and there as well as being somewhere to have fun and I think we don't talk about the importance of having fun enough and why that is reason enough for something to stand and not have to justify it with economic reasons or moral reasons but so one fun should be enough but also the fact that we're we're losing this uh this community and this network of people who are who are connecting and creating and shaping our city and i think it was really interesting that this year the french festival had in their booklet loads of stickers and it was like dublin needs dance floors and culture happens here and when you think about it when we take away those dance floors and that they lead to theater spaces they lead to art being created what are we left with if we just have build to rent crappy apartments and student accommodation and co-living taking their places um, because we've put so much of an onus on economic benefits rather than the benefits of what it means to live in a society and um, and what being in a society and being a member of a society is and being alive and all those kind of things. So, yeah, it's very important. I underestimated how much it formed me because, again, I just saw it as something that was fun. And now at this stage of my life, like, look, it's not that I, I don't love to go to a festival or I wouldn't. If any of them were still open, I would definitely still go. I just suppose I thought that was another time, another place. So I didn't feel as mobilized to speak up for it. But then the minute I started thinking more about it, I you were cutting out huge swathes of, of creativity and even when you think about going to other cities like Barcelona, like Berlin, I mean, they're still chock full of hotels and there's still plenty of places for tourists to come. But when tourists come, there's a nightlife. We don't have that here. We started No More Hotels as a club night 
and we called it no more hotels just because we were absolutely sick of the monoculture of hotels and I always have to say to everyone look I love hotels as much as the next person I I'm really passionate about hotels I spent a year traveling just to visit hotels I love them so much but also when we were traveling we were getting to see the rest of the culture that was on offer whereas we are being we're stuck in this neoliberal cycle where we're so focused on tourism and uh, the economic benefits of hotels etc that there's no kind of thinking of how do we input cultural spaces within there that may not be as economically viable um, as maybe a hotel and have returns but because we're stuck in this developer-led situation where everything is about how there can be a return on investment rather than how can we make our city better like I was in town yesterday and like obviously everything's closed at eight the streets were empty um there's no vibes going on and I know we are in a pandemic so but at the same time there's been no move to create kind of safe outdoor activities there's been no move to to look at what kind of city we want and what kind of amenities we need and what kind of entertainment there is um and what's going to be there when we move forward because there's been no kind of incentives for entertainment or clubs or anything like that and um hopefully now with the with the licensing uh, review that's going on that will change and it will make it easier for uh, clubs to be commercially viable but um at the moment obviously we're so in re- restricted with our licensing laws and um, even more so now that everything's closed at eight and nightclubs can't open whatever but i think we really really need to have a serious conversation about what we want our cities to look like and how they can operate in a 24-hour capacity and there has been a lot of work done by amazing people like give us the night and um hazel chu was very much involved in the nighttime economy task force so there is a conversation and there is an a, a knowledge that we need to do something about this and it's just getting i suppose a, a buy-in from a lot more people to realize that this is important and even if you don't like clubbing that's fine loads of people don't like the Galway races they still happen so I suppose it's a case of tapping into realizing that clubbing is in fact culture and just because it's not your culture doesn't mean it doesn't have any value. And when did you first start to notice this happening because I've certainly started noticing places I used to go closing down like the pods like Redbox, like even Spy, all going. And I kind of think, oh, that's a shame to myself. And then I move on. And I think with this podcast, I'm always fascinated by the people that take it a step further, that actually start to do something about it. So when did the whole thing start to come to your mind and that you were going to actually do something about it, even if it was just to raise awareness and shout about it a little? Um, I think we started our club night maybe four years, four years ago. Um, but obviously that was on the back of wanting to run a club night, but realizing there was no space for it because all the clubs were being knocked in. Um, so we started the club night four years ago and kind of it developed itself. And that kind of is how I've usually gotten into areas that I kind of started. Like we, we initially just wanted to throw a party and have a ball and have a kind of message on the back of that. And uh, I suppose because the way we were structuring it was to try and highlight how to maybe structure club nights that make it more commercially viable and possible by getting people, because people were going for prinks um, before club nights. So people were only going into a club, let's say 12, one o'clock. Clubs close at half two. So if you're running a club and you're relying on bar takings, um, you're not going to get the return on a, a club night. So we were like, okay, why don't we look at a way that gets people into clubs early at eight o'clock and they have to be there. So you have a dinner and a show so that you're putting on entertainment because again, when you do, when it's not commercially viable to run a club night, you can't put the bells and whistles on because you, you have to have a bigger kind of crowd and if you're running a small um event it's kind of, it, it tends to be dj black box rave delicious in itself let's not make any uh qualms about that but if you're going to add extra stuff on you kind of have to provide extra entertainment bits so we were kind of just trying to ch- challenge the narrative of what a club night looked like so we did the dinner and a show and 
then we would have a showcase of people in Dublin who were doing great things, uh, playing their favorite 10 songs afterwards. So we called it Dublin Island Disco so that there was a kind of dance part to it afterwards. And then as we kind of got more and more into it, we started getting more um, frustrated at what was happening as more and more clubs were shutting and just started, I suppose, getting more vocal and looking at how clubbing was kind of the first thing uh, that was being eroded that people didn't really care about because it didn't affect them a lot of the time. And a lot of things happen because of voting reasons. And the majority of people who vote for, say, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, don't consider uh, clubbing to be culture. So we kind of noticed that there was a big gap in the disconnect between people, between clubbing being seen as culture and being valuable and being a necessary part of society. So we kind of started um, this hashtag called clubbing as culture and trying to figure out how we could maximize that. We made a little documentary and that ended up being shown in Tate Modern as part of their um, exhibition on nightlife. So it kind of all kind of developed slowly bit by bit in terms of just things that were frustrating us and the messaging then that we wanted to get through. So, um, yeah, it's been a journey. And I suppose then we were hit by um, a, the pandemic and kind of went to ground. So now we're back looking at what, what is the clubbing as culture message? Where do we go from here? Um, what does clubbing look like? post-pandemic um will it come back will there be enough spaces um will it get the the regard it deserves i suppose in the new in in the new world that we've entered yeah because i mean as you said this was happening way before the pandemic when it came to licensing laws when it came to hotels being built yes we have more closing restrictions on licensed trade but this was happening way before the pandemic ever came oh yeah 100 um but again it was one of those things that people didn't notice was happening as hotels and co-living and student accommodation was going up because it wasn't being valued what you'll probably have noticed now is that it's gone from clubbing and now that more traditional cultural venues are being impacted there's kind of a more um more crowd forming against it like with the likes of the cobblestone and people really getting involved in the Dublin is dying narrative and all the people doing great work on that. So it's kind of, that was the first to fall. More is happening. We kind of seem to have, I often say no one leading the vision of Dublin, but what's worse is that it is the vision of Dublin is being led and it's being led towards uh, hotels, built rent and building regulations for for just getting return on investment and and making financially viable properties etc so you really would love to see something change that there was a priority placed on culture in the city because we're just going to be left with nothing if things continue the way they are And it's already starting to happen. The soul is very much being ripped out of the city, which doesn't really make any sense when you're building hotels for tourists to view the city from and you're building student accommodation for students and then professionals to live within. And I met a friend recently a DJ friend, it's a couple of months ago now, so things had just opened up and I said, oh, are you delighted that everything's back? And he said, no. He said, there's a horrible vibe in the city at the minute. All the pedestrianised areas, there's nowhere really for people to come together properly. So aside from even having clubs, we don't have green spaces. And, you know, I have a family now. I rarely bring the kids into town. And if we do, we're kind of in and out within an hour. There's nowhere really for families to gather, for people to gather, for you to have a a proper nightlife bar, a a few pubs. And I think we as Irish people have so much more to offer. Is this happening outside of Dublin? Is this happening in Galway or in Cork or is this capital city specific? Mm. Are we feeling that a little bit more here? It's definitely happening with clubs closing down um, across the country um, and the support's not been in place and all that kind of stuff, like the legislation in terms of licensing, uh, really affecting. Um, and also loads of clubs closed down during the pandemic when 
they weren't able to open because obviously there's rents to pay and uh when you're you don't have any income at all it's very hard to keep that going so it is happening across across the nation um which is very depresso martini um and i just <laughs> i i just i feel very deflated and i probably sound very deflated at the moment because i just don't see um where we can go from here and there is obviously like a huge uh new energy and new people doing new things and it's always great to see all that stuff coming through and maybe this is going to be the opportunity for a new energy to happen and new stuff to happen and you always have to kind of be optimistic that that's going to happen but until we see like a proper vision for cultural spaces and supporting that and building that into developments like I even think like I live near Cork Street and the amount of student accommodation that has gone up there and there is no amenities or facilities as part of those developments. There's no student bars, there's no restaurants, there's nowhere to like grab a, like a bite that should really be part of those, those like developments. The same way that like in developments that are for families there's always a crash that's being built in and and now the building regulations are being pushed so far that that even that is starting to stop now um in terms of making a profit where developers don't have to put crashes into developments because they don't think families are going to live there so we're erasing all the standards that we have in our city and all of this is happening and you're kind of watching it go and what is going to be the legacy of our city when you look at beautiful buildings like Trinity or uh, the Doll or all these buildings that were beautifully built we don't really have anything being built in our city apart from uh, really low standard um, hotels, premier inns, um, bill to rent accommodation and student accommodation and we've no amenities being built into those developments and everything is just about how much you can squeeze in in terms of how many apartments or how many like studios or as Una from the pod- my podcast calls it insta tenements we've kind of moved away from tenement living and had standards in living and now we're, we're kind of reverting back to like rooms with no light um bedrooms with no light it's really small studio apartments that are not fit for purpose and not fit for living and with no amenities in in and around them so like we're we're it just is like what is this city becoming I like the clubbing model that you were starting to champion with your your club nights that there would be entertainment that you might go in you might eat something you might watch stuff on stage and then everything would be rolled back and there'd be a dance floor and a dj and there could be lots of creativity and, and, and art in that. Do you think that's a model we need to move to more, that people are buying an expensive ticket and they're actually buying drinks? Do you think it comes down to the association that clubbing has with drugs, that people are going to be taking drugs, they're going to drink two bottles of water all night, and that's just not going to be enough for it to be a viable business? I mean, how do how do Ibiza do it? I suppose it's because their tickets are so expensive, aren't they? It's like 100 quid into a club. But like you just have to look and I hate always going to the Berlin uh, model, but look, it, they do it well. Uh, Burgoyne, it is a big, huge club in an old uh, warehouse, um, energy warehouse, and tickets are like 15 to 20 euro you pay in. Um, obviously, they've got the scale and they, they have a lot of people, but it is drug-led essentially and uh, people still drink and it has a a model that works and people like I think there's so much morals put on drug taking alcohol is a drug in itself smoking is a drug Um, and like drug taking happens and you can put your head in the sand and say but we don't want it to but the fact of the matter is it happens it's illegal and it still happens it's like when uh, the minimum price unit pricing came in it was like well when things are more expensive people won't buy it it's like well cocaine is very expensive and illegal and it's like a really popular drug in Dublin and across the city so I think they're saying that just because it's something that has drugs happening at it is stupid because house parties have drugs at it um drugs are happening in restaurants across the country um so that is a bit of a futile argument um but i think 
the nature of clubbing is that it's, it, it takes different types and different parts and you can go all the way from like hard techno down to something that we did which was a bit more tongue-in-cheek and a bit more fun and frivolous um so I think there's no really set way to approach clubbing because the spectrum of interest is so wide and like the type of people who go to clubs is so wide so like there has to be like anything in life a menu of things that people can choose from that suits them Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So what can we do? I mean, you spoke about feeling deflated there. I mean, how can we bring about change? Because I started to listen. I think it was you I heard talking on radio when the Bernard Shaw closed down. And I thought, well, why are they closing that down? Why are they just stamping that out and nobody gets to have a say? And my interest has been peaked since then. And I mean, that must be three years ago. It's maybe more. We have the whole COVID vortex, so it's hard to know how many years have passed. But it's only got worse since then, hasn't it? Um, I suppose you can look at it in a micro and macro way. And if you look at it in a bigger way, we ha- the first thing we have to do is start... Um, questioning what we see as success now that seems quite random when you come to clubbing but if what we see as successful is how much you can accumulate how much money you can make how successful you are in terms of how big you can get well then our development of our cities is going to be seen as what makes the most money and that's why we have such a problem with speculation and uh, dereliction because there's Uh, people are just leaving properties so that the price goes up and that when they sell it they make the most money and then they develop whatever will make the most return which happens to be hotels or built rent um, accommodation so we have to really look at ourselves and see okay if we're rewarding this as success why would there ever be a reason to create something that is about something maybe like joy or maybe like creativity or happiness or a society that is fulfilled rather than just one that is accumulating? So that's a big picture thing that we can do. Then in terms of like more practically, what can we do? I suppose one is start voting with your feet, start supporting clubs, start running clubs, start... um. I there's always needs to be like there's always a lot of thing of like well somebody else will do it people have to step up and start running things and a lot of people are doing it for the love rather than for the money um in terms of clubbing and I know uh Crystal Clear talks a lot about like if you're in this industry just to make money you're in the wrong industry because it has to come from a passion and I think we really have to start looking back as a society on what we want to achieve in life is it is it to fulfill our passions and or is it to make loads of money and be seen as the big swinging dick I suppose um so I think starting club nights going to club nights um and then getting involved in movements like the Dublin is dying movement give us the night uh saving the cobblestone protest um, has been so successful in terms of what happened with the cobblestone that the planning permission was uh, refused. Would it have been refused if there wasn't such um, noise made about it? We'll never know, I suppose. And there is an appeal in against that to to tr- go for the developer to go again. So um, it will be interesting to see how that goes. But there is movements uh, happening and there is uh, people joining the dots and coming together and uh, tr- having a united voice 
um, to fight for our city and for what it stands for and what it could be. Um, and I think then also like realizing who is making these decisions and who is in power. And when you look at the at the political state of things, I suppose we have a neoliberal government in place, like between the Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael parties, um, that is that is in their DNA, and they're they're all about success equals um, accumulation, etc. So, um, it is looking at political choices, and um, and if it's time for that change to happen, we are like there's there is a shakeup happening in um, Irish politics at the moment. What that people are hungry for change. What that change is going to be will be interesting. Um, Sinn Féin are coming out as the most popular party, but people do want um, a coalition with the Greens and Labour in there. So it is interesting to what's going to come down the road. But I suppose there are so many people who are doing such good work. Uh, um, and you just have to look at everyone who is part of the Nighttime Economy Task Force, um, that there are people who are who are fighting, who are trying to bring about the change, who are passionate about what is going on and I want to ensure that we are left with something in um, the city when we open back up again. Do you think there's something, I don't know if there can be anything more sinister than capitalism at play when it comes to government policy, not supporting clubbing and not putting it on a list of priorities as part of a culture of a city. And I say that because Again, I underestimated. I think I kind of got that you found your tribe and that you had fun. And I actually rate that as, as really important within a society. But I didn't really think about how when you have clubbing, you have a more progressive society because you have people from different backgrounds coming together and meeting. And there have been so many political movements everywhere back to, say, Studio 54 in New York I watched a documentary on Laurent Garnier recently enough coming back in a flight and he was so pioneering and caused so many protests on the street where people came together as clubbers to stand up against political decisions that they didn't agree with. So it is intrinsically linked to us coming against the government because the more people come together, the more creative minds are shared and then the more people think a little bit more about what's going on. And you see it even now in the pandemic, we're becoming more and more, and I'm not even trying to get into all of that, but we're becoming more and more like sheep, like there's nothing we can do. And in, in a certain extent in a pandemic, maybe there isn't. But when it comes to the planning of your city and what's important to the people that live there, there definitely is something you could can do and there is something that we should do so do you think that's why they don't want us coming together like that um i am always afraid of going down that route in my mind but i think there is something to be said for the fact that politicians want to stay in power essentially and what and their decisions are usually swayed by what is going to keep them in power and a lot of people who would vote for the government that are in place at the moment would probably see clubbing and the culture around it as nothing but a nuisance. So there's nothing, um, there's no political points to be scored for their target audience by supporting clubbing and the nighttime economy, etc. So I suppose the more work that's done to make clubbing be seen as culture, to have it in included within a conversation about the nighttime economy uh, like I hate that because it makes um the value of what the nighttime can be just about making money um as opposed to the culture of it but if using those words brings people along and allows them to understand that it is a valuable part of society because it makes money well then fine let's do what we have to do um so I think the more people that come on board and see the value of clubbing as culture and that it is part of a bigger thing of like galleries being open later at nighttime, multi-purpose venues um, being used, um, that there is a cafe culture that feeds into that, that people can want to go and dance after and maybe want to get a coffee pass to. PM. I know that sounds like a reach, but like 
the way our city is built is so 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 focused on boozing that like trying to get a coffee after lunchtime is near on impossible and so it is about changing people's uh thoughts on what that what that means and what a a nighttime economy can be that it can be valuable and but also whilst that is happening that there are change makers in place that are are part of the government but are also part of different parties who do see the value so the more people who get involved in politics that are outside the traditional remit maybe the more we see the changes of society reflected back to us by our governments and by uh, the people in politics so I think there's definitely um, something to be said for more I don't want to say normal people, but like people across a different spectrum um, that wouldn't traditionally be going into politics. But one of the main things that we have to look at is we have no democracy in local government. So when and there when I when you look at who is responsible for creating a livable city or for creating a, the, the spaces that we live in, that is down to the local authorities. And the way they work is that councillors are elected to our local government but the councillors have very little power to enact anything because um Dublin City Council is run by an executive of management who make a lot of the decisions um, and have all the power and they are answerable to no one so we have this weird uh vacuum of democracy when it comes to what our cities can be so a lot of the time when we get frustrated at what is happening, the councillors get thrown under the bus of like, well, you're in charge of our city, whereas the councillors actually don't have that much um, autonomy of decision making or power. And we have the the Dublin Development Guide, except, or Dublin Development Plan that's running 22 to 28 uh, now that has been enacted. Um, but that a lot of the time is uh, suggestions and can be gotten around. So until we have answerability, if that's a word, in our local democracy, we are really fighting a, a really frustrating, unwinnable fight. And what's the situation with the licensing laws, as you mentioned them early, earlier? What's the situation with them now and what are the possible changes that might be taking place? So there is currently a consultation open till the 21st of Jan. So uh, everyone's been asked to fill in what they think our licensing laws should look like and that's everything from what time our clubs should be open till whether uh, alcohol can be sold at one-off events in art galleries or uh, whether there should be a, um, a use of spaces that can be used for venues um, that are temporary so that it, it doesn't have to go through like a, a licensing application um, so all those kind of things are up for grabs and that is, the consultation ends on the 21st of January and then that will go back to uh, to a bigger process of looking at what those changes could be. So we have an opportunity to have a say at the moment and pe- like a lot of people have been working on this for a long time to get it to this stage because we're still operating at it like a dance hall act from 1950 something. Um, so it's our our legislation is very much out of date but there is hope and there is uh people who are pioneering this and who are pushing it forward and who are creating conversations around what the possibilities are rather than just it being a nuisance and oh sure that's just that's just trouble people getting drunk or whatever so uh the conversation is moving along and it is getting um a bit more educated and a bit more informed so I would be hopeful around that. And you recently joined the Absolute Clubbing Council. So who is on that panel with you? What kind of discussions go on there? I kind of picture half between serious boardroom meetings and the Mad Hatter's tea party. That's how it looks <laughs> at the picture anyway. <laughs> uh, I really loved this idea. Uh, Absolute uh, wants to support club culture. And the way they want that they suggested doing it was they got this uh, panel of people together, which included me, um, Crystal Clear, the DJ, and Soul Etiquette, who are club promoters. Um, and what it was asking, it was for asking people to come to up with an idea of their perfect clubbing 
a situation, uh, day or night club, whatever it could look like, not be held back by restrictions. And then Absolute would fund their idea um, to run these club nights. So uh, we they'd present their ideas to us. We'd pick the best one and then Absolute would fund it. So I just love the fact, because there can be cynicism when brands get involved and stuff, but I think when you know that stuff is cutting through when brands are willing to take a stake on supporting it and the fact that absolute are seeing clubbing as valuable and culture and something they want to support i think that really is a good thing and um and sparks and makes people feel more comfortable to get involved and see it as something valuable um if every brand is doing it you know that way it's, it's kind of don't you know when you see someone like oh well if they're doing it it must be cool or it must be okay or it must be something uh that is good or safe because obviously brands need to be safe when they're getting involved in things so I think it adds an element of respectability almost and if you had that magic wand if you had that st- seal of approval I mean that was to do a club night but if you were to redesign how Dublin is run and and likewise our other cities what would it look like what would the cultural spaces be how many of them would they be would we be open 24 hours that is a big question Claire (laughs) um but if I I think the main thing I would see is that the city has to be has to serve so many different people that it's it's weighing up all of those I don't want to say rights but that a city is owned by every single person in it, not just the people who are running it um, democratically or not. And I think it. what I would do is, there's so many different things, but I think each development that's going up would have to have a certain percentage of that allocated to a cultural establishment um, that there would be incentives for people to, to run things to like like the absolute clubbing council that there has to be support put in place for things because like culture by its very nature a lot of the time unless it's very mainstream isn't a money-making expedition it's it it's if we look at how we got through the pandemic a lot of it was down to culture but that it doesn't have the financial return a lot of the time so if we don't support culture and it's going to die essentially so we just need to kind of put in like like the way the arts council is um in place that it is inclusive of things like clubbing because if you look at where the support lies it's it's always in a more traditional definition of culture rather than a clubbing capacity and i think if you look at the more i suppose the things like the fringe festival which are a bit more forward thinking i suppose in terms of what culture is the inclusion of of nightclubs and uh, night parties and discos and dancing in that just really shows how it has to be part of the full tapestry. It can't just be something that is left to kind of thrive underground. And I think that's such a magnanimous answer because you're right. I mean, I think I'd love to live in uh, Andrea Horan's Dublin City, there'd be disco balls everywhere and it'd be fantastic. But you're saying that might not be everybody's. So we have to be making sure we're putting culture for the people who want traditional theatres, the people who want fringe, the people who want clubbing, the people who want family safe spaces, the people who want outdoor events, that we need to have it prioritised and have clubbing on and that a lot spectrum. Of the time, a lot of the time, people want all of those things I know I do I want all of those things you know what I mean I want to go to a theater I want to go to an all-night club I want and I want to go to an all-weekend club I want to there to be places for uh, me to bring my friends kids or I do you know that way so it's not that it there's all these different segments of society that are completely separate there's such an integration and such an overlap in all of the things so it's like it it's just figuring out how we can create a city that is livable that provides for the people that live in it that isn't just about making money and I think that seems to be where the disconnect is at the moment. And what happens if somebody wants to set up a club night at the minute? Venues are very thin on the ground. What if you want to set up something down the docks in a warehouse? I've often gazed over at Columbia Mills and thought that would make a great club venue. 
what's stopping you, Bar, whoever lives in Columbia Mills or owns that now? What what, what uh-huh. happens? What are you up against? Is it insurance costs? Is it licensing laws? Is it is it all of that? There, it's it's all of that. And like I know, I'm not, uh, I'm not a big operator in the club world. Um, we have our club night that we put in a venue that was already set up. So I, I'm not sure of the exact ins and outs of, of stuff, but you do need insurance. You do need public liability. You do need, if you want to put a bar in, you can't do that under our licensing laws at the moment um, unless you get a, an exemption order. So there's a lot of red tape involved. And we, I suppose that's what we need to look at in terms of making things a bit looser. And um, I think that's what's going to come through in our in our licensing legislation review because there there does need to be a bit of more give and take and like letting people do a bit more without having to jump through a thousand hoops and I suppose then there is the the leveling up of of interests so you do have vintners who are going to be against that and like you only have to look at the the in the minimum unit pricing that was done specifically for vintners um and how that's having an effect on and the pushback that's coming from that when you just create and that was done by Finnegale in their program for government um for a very small group of people but they're big supporters of the party so it's how do you and that's about money again so how do you look at making things more accessible and an equity for for anyone who maybe wants to approach doing this and like we did there was loads of great spaces like remember Mabos and stuff like that where things were happening um but they've all been demolished to make way for developments of crap apartments there was something that i have think has got better when i look back at my time clubbing and see most of those have closed. Something that wasn't huge when I was in that chapter was festivals and festivals have gone through the roof here in Ireland. Is is that a good sign that that's happening and that's being celebrated and that's only accelerating? A hundred percent. And you even just have to look at the festival landscape to see that there's something for everyone. There's big, huge festivals that are making money. Then there's the more niche ones that are like there's little hippie festivals there's like festivals for people uh who want to follow the sun or all that kind of jazz that they kind of tick all the boxes so there's a bit more freedom well not even freedom but there's a bit more leeway in that and because you don't need a a a bricks and mortar building for it and you can kind of apply to do things a bit more liberally so i think what that also shows is that people want to have fun and for a lot of the time I suppose since the Celtic Tiger when we were talking about success we were talking everyone was about the grind and a lot more conversations have happened since the pandemic which is so great to see it going more mainstream about like people pushing against the grind and how it's like even memes that have been going around the last few days of like I don't want the grind I want rest and to be well paid and I think the importance that we're putting on the quality of our life rather than just uh getting into a habit of well I go to work for this amount of time I get up at this time I work all these hours and then I wait till the weekend to let my hair down um, and I have to let my hair down because I'm so stressed and then I look forward to my holiday that there's the what's happened in the pandemic is people have questioned their quality of life and what that actually means and what they want their days today to look like and it it isn't that grind so I think we talked about the roaring 20s at the start of the pandemic. Will we see the roaring 20s uh, come back after the pandemic and people just wanting to party? And I think it, they definitely will. And uh, I think there's going to be two different ways of thought. I think a lot of people have gotten quieter in themselves um, who have kind of retreated in and are enjoying a more quiet life. And then there's um, the people who just want to let loose and party on like Wayne and Garth, I suppose. Um, so it will be interesting to see how that pans out. But I do think that pleasure is going to be a really, really, really important part of our our foreseeable future. And balancing that then with pleasure without a destruction um, in terms of climate change, that people are so more aware of that. It's like, how can we have a good time without damaging the world and people around us? And I think um, 
yeah, I th- definitely think pleasure is going to, people are going to lean into pleasure in all different ways from yoga and spirituality and hedonism and all the gorgeous ways that pleasure comes to us, I think is going to be so important. And I yeah. think that really and throughout gorgeous. the ages, we need that we come together and we let loose. And that's just part of who we are. So we need to make sure there's spaces for us to do that. Can I ask you then, lastly, because you've spoken out about this, what has it meant to you as a person? How has it changed you has it led you open to more criticism or has it opened you up to a new way of thinking has there been a myriad of 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 changes I'm always interested in somebody that looks to make change what effect does it have on them personally um I think because it's something I'm passionate about that affects me personally it's like not that it's quite selfish but I want to be able to go clubbing so um I was it was looking harder and harder to do that so I wanted to do something that would make it easier um so I'm aware that I'm a small part feeding into a bigger picture and bigger conversation that's happening so I suppose in terms of what change it hasn't really changed me per se it has just set my mind exactly on what exactly I want from a society and what I what I demand and what I know is equally mine as much as anyone else's. And I, I I think when you start to realize that the city belongs to me as much as anybody else, that is really empowering. And I think that then brings you on a journey to the next level. It's like, okay, that's clubbing one part, but then what about our green spaces? What about our public uh, squares being given over to hotel development when all our public areas are being taken away from us and the bigger picture so I think the change has been that it's brought me more and more into being aware of how scammed we're being um as citizens of the city and then getting more frustrated so I don't know if that's a good or bad thing but but that's where that's the change that happened for me I suppose well look I hope that people do vote with their feet as you say and speak up and that we do gather under some cultural space under a disco ball somewhere soon. Andrea Horan, thank you so, so much for coming on. Thanks, Claire. Thank you for listening to Changemakers. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would love if you would take a moment to rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people to find the podcast too. Take care. 